Welcome everyone to Yay Live. This is a loyalty podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. We are here to help brands navigate the new economic landscape by growing sustainably to achieve long-term success. Founded in 2003 by three friends, Grandpa kicked off with a printable idea to be an inclusive meeting place and a brand that offers a sustainable and curated range of fashion and lifestyle products. I'm particularly excited for Yunas to represent Grandpa on this podcast because he was Yellow's first customer back in 2020. So I'm thrilled that Yellow gets to be part of this exciting journey and success and that you bet on us from the start. So thank you very much for joining us on Yay Live, the loyalty podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. Let's kick this off. So Yunas, you have more than 10 years experience in e-commerce, working for companies such as Happy Socks, and you also founded your brand, Palma Workwear. And you actually joined Grandpa one and a half year ago in 2021 to grow the brand internationally. So with you, I think we, we like to dive a little bit more into like sustainability and how this has been core to create the DNA of Grandpa. To start with, could you give us a quick introduction of yourself and how you ended up at Grandpa? Yes, my name is Jonas, 40 years of age. In Sweden, you call it a retail rev. So <laughs> I've been working in retail basically my entire career with WC, Happy Socks and the Palma and then ended up at Grandpa. The reason I'm sitting here is I've been the CEO of Grandpa since just just above one and a half year. I've always been very aware of Grandpa, working on the other side of the table from the supplier base, we see in Happy Socks especially. Grandpa was always some sort of, a, in Sweden at least, a, a holy grail of retailers you wanted to come in. Yeah. Unfortunately for us at WEC, we were deemed too much of skateboarders mm -hmm. to fit in. But I've always admired what Grandpa has done. And I think the thing that sticks out for me is that everyone says that they have integrity. Grandpa has shown it, maintains it. And I think that's one of the core aspects of the continued success. And when I saw that they were actually entering into a new phase, I actually reached out to one of the founders, Jonas Peltz, through LinkedIn. And although we've been working in the same industry for many years, we'd never really come across each other. So I basically said, I think I would be a perfect fit for what you're trying to achieve. And luckily for me, yeah. uh, him and Anders, the second co-founder and then the new owner, Christian, they believed me <laughs> and they agreed. And, and here we are. Cool. Yeah, so um, I understand that you have actually been recruited at this stage of the company because one of the main ambition is to grow the brand outside of the Nordics. So what are you actually looking at when you look at Grandpa today? And in general, like what are for you to work on when you want to take a brand international? I would say that the first year of business or when I came in, the first year was basically just do a complete inventory of the company and look at from the outside, you see one thing. And from the inside, you see the details of everything. Yeah. And in all honesty, I must say the my my task that I was given was basically to grow the company without losing the grandpa feeling. That was pretty much it. Very compressed. Yeah. And the whole internationalization part, that came more from me. Okay. Uh, that's because where I come from, that's how I've been been involved and succeeded in building brands on a global scale. Grandpa is very Swedish yeah. and very, very uh, local. Yeah. So it's this hyper local, our stores and it's Södermalm and it's yeah. Gothenburg and it's Malmö and it's very yeah. Swedish. But the concept is so amazing. Yeah. So I honestly think that it will work at least as good as in Sweden, but I would actually think even better uh, abroad. So what we've basically had to do with this entire inventory is basically see where we are as a company, where we want to go and what do we need to adjust before going there. And there's been a lot of focusing just building the 
platform and a foundation to be able to scale up. And it's also been done in a very grandpa-ish way. I come from more outspoken growth companies where yeah. you have everything else than a triple digit growth is even seen as a failure. That is not the ambition with grandpa. We have a saying internally, it's like we want to grow grandpa to be able to be more grandpa, do yeah. more good things to invite more people into our community. Yeah. So the growth ambitions are absolutely there, but do it in a sustainable pace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's super inspiring. And I think more brands should actually maybe look at that type of growth, especially nowadays with the challenge that we face. But I'm just interested to ask a follow-up question on what you said. Like you said, like grandpa is very Swedish, which I totally get. But I'm actually wondering, do you think actually this is an asset to grow abroad? Because Scandinavian brands some have some sort of like hype, right? When you are actually not, I'm not from Scandinavia, so I can actually definitely feel that. So I'm just trying to understand if you would take the brand abroad, would you actually consider the fact that and play on the fact that you are from Scandinavia, from Sweden and play that card or try to more like adapt the concept to the local market where you try to enter? It's a mix of the two. What you absolutely need to do when you, because it's actually weird to say that as a Swede, because obviously, especially with WC and with Happy Socks, everywhere we came, it was more like we had an pre-approved stamp because we were from Sweden. I've never really understood that. Yeah. But of course, you would be daft not to work with it. Yeah. So what I think is very key, and especially for Grandpa, we're a mix of retailer of external brands and our own brands. So it's like you, a lot of the assortment that we offer, you can find elsewhere. Yeah. So we have to really find our, I hate the word, USP. Mm. We have to find our way of communication and what makes us what we are. In all honesty, I think when I say it's very Swedish, it's more like we've been running it internally much more as a store. When you look at it externally, it's much more of a brand yeah. and that happens to sell other brands and its own brands. So definitely we, when we now move abroad, we need to make it very clear that we are Swedish and also just explaining why that is a good thing. Yeah. And also what that comes down to in terms of what we stand for and how we do things and without being a cliche of, of Swedes. So of course, you, then you have to also adapt it to the market that you're entering. But also one thing that this ties into is that we believe very much in transparency. Uh, we understand and know that our customers are very involved and they're very interested. And we by no means want to deceive them in any way. If yeah. we have problems, we're going to tell you that we have problems. If we're seeing something amazing, we're going to tell you that as well. But that also comes down to we are who we are. And we believe in super clear transparency. Obviously, then we have to adapt to the specific customer or market. Interesting. In what you say, it just also reminds me of the quote, which is like, show, don't tell. Yes. In that sense, I think that's what Rampa has proven over the years. is You communicate about the fact that you curate the selection, that everything is good product, good people. What was it like? Good, pro good product, good people. Good impact. Good impact. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's more that the fact that we can actually feel it and see it in everything you do which is actually building the brand. That ties me to the second question. To what extent do you think actually that this sort of stand that the brand has been taken from like when they started like 20 years ago when sustainability was not such a like a hot topic and like now every brand I think needs to show that they are actually sustainable in some form but a lot of brands are like greenwashing or whatever. It feels like for grandpa it has been so core since the beginning that no one would actually doubt that it is true. And to what extent do you think that has been key to the brand success and like fact that you have to create that community and super loyal base of customer? That's the core. 
And when I look at it, that is what inspired me to even seek to get in to grandpa. But it's like, it comes back to what we spoke about before is that integrity and sustainability nowadays. It's a very complex matter. It's a shame that everyone seems to still 2022 thinks that organic cotton is the way to go sustainable because mm-hmm. there's so many different layers. And since grandpa has had this in the back of their mind and have actually done it. And that's the yeah. whole thing. It's almost to me when I came in my role, it's the whole thing with show, not tell. But I like to show and please do tell a little bit more because there's mm-hmm. also a lot of things that hasn't been told what grandpa's done. That's just people want to know this. Mm-hmm. So we're amping the whole tell part up a little bit, but still maintaining we don't tell without showing. Yeah. And by coming back to your questions, they absolute key. And that is what gives the brand longevity is integrity. And that's the whole foundation to build further on. Because now we don't have to redo it. We just no, have exactly. to refocus. Yeah. So do you think that this is actually a strategy which has helped build the brand and build a loyal customer, but actually now it also help you reach out? Absolutely. More customers. 100%. The interesting part there is coming back to transparency. And we try to look at ourselves from a customer perspective, like I would assume that everyone does, but also just feeling mature enough to question ourselves. Because this is the whole thing is like grandpa is expected to be sustainable. It's not because we have the biggest CSR policy or this document just in the back of our customers. That's their expectations and it's on us to really live up to them. So that means that we need to, when we're now getting more and more customers, we need to retell that whole story and also show the same things over and over. Is trust then a concept that you talk about? Yeah, absolutely. And that's also why, again, with the whole transparency thing, do not never underestimate our customers. We know that they are in many cases smarter than us. So you can see how a brand acts or how a company acts, what's actually going on. So why not just come clean and say, we're now experiencing this and this is what we're doing. And we also have the whole kind of social aspect. If we don't like something, we will say that. And then we will obviously face any, any repercussions of that. But if we believe in it as a company and as a brand, then we will speak our mind. And that's also one of the cornerstones of Grandpa. We're much more, and as again, coming back to the three founding friends, the cliche of to be more than a store. I've seen that quote so many times through my career. I would say Grandpa is one of the absolute few that actually stands by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I think it inspires way more than just like a physical store and an assortment in that sense. If we get back to the topic of going global, I understand that you spend like quite some time understanding like the current situation of the company and what should be changed, improved, etc. So can you maybe share a little bit with us what was the main conclusion and what you did to actually prepare the company for this new phase of growth? I think the key challenge for us as a company and brand right now in the process of internationalization is the communication part. The concept in itself would work to yesterday to just go global with, but it's how you stay relevant for that same audience that we have so many strong and loyal followers. And that's one of the key strengths for Grandpa. And I think that's also what's been a little bit hindering them from actually stepping out of Sweden. We know what's going on in Sweden, but as soon as you cross that little line over into Denmark, there is a different culture. What can we expect? Do we dare? And all of that. So basically just figuring out what is it that we do that people appreciate and then just finding out are there markets around where we at least think that there are people like us or like our customers, our community. And obviously the answer to that is yes. Mm -hmm. 
The, the strong point and also s- simultaneously a little bit of the weak point with grandpa is that we're generalists. So we basically, we have a male and a female customer. The age span is 25 to 50. We have life products and we have apparel. Yeah. We have footwear. We have external brands and we have internal brands. Yeah. So it's pretty much a all over the board kind of thing, which puts you in a little bit of a, uh, a challenging spot. Either yeah. you become everything for everyone or you become nothing for no one. Mm. And that is a challenge. And that's also when we're now slowly moving. We have the first trial phase and that is only online. And next year, the start of next year, the start of Q1 is when we actually have some financial plans of how to reap benefits from our internationalization. And also that's mainly driven online. And now we're testing the waters uh, and we've defined how to go. And I've also always used like the cinnamon bun kind of strategy if you <laughs> but imagine the center of the cinnamon bun that's your home market that's the all where all the sugar is and then you roll slowly out from that because the further you get away from the sugary bit the bigger of the difference and when you reach the very end there's going to be a dry lump of bread as opposed to the sugary um, taste of it but if you do it in the right manner in the right pace you'll make sure that cinnamon bun is succulent all the way through. So basically now we're looking into our neighboring markets and also the most Scandinavian markets in Europe, which of some weird reason, the Netherlands, and there we're testing the waters. The UK is actually also quite Scandinavian in terms of when you look at when you're launching in a Scandinavian brand. The UK is normally quite a quite safe bet. And then you obviously have south of Europe. We're not even testing there. I've worked with Italy, Spain, Portugal yeah. for many years. Yeah. Very tricky. And then, of course, everyone looks at Asia, and that's going to be phase two for us. In all honesty, I've never been more confident than when we open up a grandpa concept store, mainly to drive interest and traffic, Seoul in Korea. That's going to absolutely explode. And it's not in a formal plan. Okay. Uh, I use it as a reference. And that's also in Tokyo, because I think those places in the world, our concept and the whole brand would fit 100%. Interesting. Not in Q1 2023, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the long-term ambition, yeah. absolutely. So what is the strategy? Is that like to actually test out the market with a pop-up store? Is that to open a store first to test online? We start with testing online and we're working now with a strategic partner also for online marketing. Okay. Uh, old friends of mine and old colleagues. We started up with them and it feels super solid. Yeah. And also that's the whole thing. When you're doing this, you need to get help from the right people. Yeah. Don't try to do everything yourself because you're going to make decisions based on uh, the wrong information. So basically we've chosen a few markets and that's the beauty of online. It's like yeah. you can test and then yeah, yeah, if it doesn't work, you just stop. So how do you concretely do you do like influencer partnerships? A mix of them all. Just now, what we're doing is getting a feel for how the brand lands. So a lot of brand building advertising. But the interesting part there is also when you come into, it's like, we're not pushing products. We're pushing a brand. We're marketing a brand. That's the whole idea. Because if we are marketing specific products too much, then you'll end up on competing. And especially us that are selling external brands. So we're pushing the brand, the concept, what we stand for, the whole good people, good product, good impact, super big thing, because people need to understand what grandpa stands for. Why are we relevant? Uh, That is, of course, a time-consuming part of the business, but you can't get around it. So slowly, just pushing, testing, see what works, speaking to customers, 
see what they actually expect from us. I think what you said was interesting. I think you need to push a brand and not products because what we've seen is that your multi-brand retailers, just not like old brands, it's the era of direct-to-consumer and this podcast actually about direct-to-consumer brands. Yeah. So I think what's interesting with your brand is like your brand is direct-to-consumer, even yeah. though your products are not direct-to-consumer because you sell different brands. But if you manage to have that direct relationship, with a customer, then you stay relevant, whatever you have in your assortment. And I think I'm very impressed by the fact that brands actually knock on your door to be referenced mm-hmm. because it is a stamp of quality and that actually helps them build their own brand. So I think in that sense, like Gramp has a pretty unique concept. I think so too. And I think that also ties into the long-term aspect that we have with everything we do. We don't make quick calls, which might sound that we're slow, but we're just very particular. Players that want to come in and work with us, they also know that if they get over the threshold, most likely this will be a long partnership. And I would actually expect that the majority of our partners in terms of external brands see Grandpa at least as much as a marketing tool yeah. uh, than, a, than an actual selling point. Yeah. Actually, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you actually do select your partners. And if brands are listening to this podcast, what should they market to you so they can get in your assessment? What is your key like criteria? Be good people. That's an absolute key. Uh, yeah. We don't work with people that don't feel genuine and feel like douchebags. So don't be a douchebag. Uh, and then obviously you need to have good product and it needs to fit in with grandpa and our entire concept. However, with that said, of course, we're constantly tweaking and making sure that we are relevant. But basically the key supplier for our community of people, we have taken upon ourselves to make sure that we serve them with what they should and what they want to have. And then, of course, the end part is we have the checklist, good people, good product, good impact. That goes for suppliers as well. You need to have a functioning and solid operation. Then you need to have good product. But then, obviously, you also need to fulfill our requirements of good impact. And there is, it's tricky. Again, sustainability is a very complex question. And it's much more than the organic cotton or the GOTS certification. But obviously, then we have our checklist there and constantly renewing that one as well. What is sustainability to us? And when we talk about sustainability, what is it that we mean? Uh, And shortly, we're actually relaunching the Grandpa's Sustainability Manifest online. And again, coming back to transparency, in a very transparent way, explain to when we talk about sustainability, this is what we mean. Mm. Cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) No, because actually I was wondering, like, if you do actually explain, because... If you do explain some more, like how you actually select the brands for your customers, because again, going back to the trust yep. aspect that we spoke about, and of course, like if I go and ramp and I buy something, I know it's been approved. Do actually customer question, like how you select brands, or do you actually communicate that to them in a very simple way? Uh, no, we will through the yeah. manifest. And one of the main reasons to the manifest is that people are asking. Yeah. And then we take upon ourselves to answer. But I would say it's a simple checklist of good people, good product, good impact. And then hopefully also knowing that sometimes we make mistakes. And it's also being in a retail environment, selling clothes, at the same time talking about sustainability. It is complex, but also that's why you need to appreciate and respect the different layers of sustainability. Because I heard someone say to me, you can't claim that you're sustainable, you're selling clothes, you need to stop right now. And I was like, in all honesty, if we stop all consumption in the world simultaneously, then what you will get is 
unemployment of 80% and massive chaos. What we need to do and what we need to serve our customers with are choices of making consumption much smarter and sustainable. That's a huge difference. I remember one of our customers, Dagmar, was saying mm-hmm. it's more the volume than the value. Yeah. So you can actually have the same value of consumption, but yeah. better spent. So w- t- buy a garment that you can wear at least 100 times. Yeah. And that I think is very much in that. Maybe that is part of the manifest. I don't know. but It might be. It might be. But if we get back to more the loyalty, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is something that you work a lot at Grandpa because you have very loyal base of customer. Can you share maybe a little bit more how you actually work with that? Like which tool you use, how you look at loyalty and maybe give some advice like to other brands who want to work more with that concept and have more like loyal customers what is key to you i would say that when it comes to the structure it's been very much played by ear and just again i think it comes down to having a brand integrity and just maintaining that and that has led to this what we're talking about the trust and that's also led to returning customers and appreciative customers and obviously when we're acting on what they tell us good and bad And that also builds that kind of common trust and the feeling of belonging somewhere. In terms of systems, I think we have so much to do. We at least started actually looking into who our customers are. We've been very much physical retail driven. So we've known every single regular in the stores by name and what the dog's name is. But it's like online, maybe we've said that we're digital first, but that's just because everyone else is saying it because we've been 100% retail first and then we try to adapt that online and i think that's also why it's so interesting now is like when you really dive into it and you see that people are super involved and super like and that's something i actually told the owners when i started for me i've never met a brand that has so few haters even if you don't shop at grandpa all the time no one really has that much bad to say about grandpa. Whereas where I come from, you're more like you have the loving side and then the hating side and then you thrive from that. We've just been listening to people, serving them and working keywords from day one and still our inspiration, atmosphere and service. And now just now exploring how we can actually structure this in more like a data and an analytical way and yeah. using the, those as tools. Yeah. So for how do you collect it? Because you talk a lot about like listening to your customers and reacting to their feedback. How do you collect that feedback? To now it's done through Sendesk, just okay, yeah. pushing all the channels together. But before it was very manual. Yeah, because you also have like a big Instagram community. So yes. How people actually if people interact with you directly on Instagram and how you go about that. Yeah, then we have uh, Natalie, our, our content lead. Uh, and then you on customer support. And that is also one of the pledges that we make. It's like we listen to people and we respond to people. Even if it's good or bad, we tell them why we've done something. And we've done a lot of bad things in the past. And we will most definitely do that in the future mm. as well. But it's like we've made a decision. We're owning that decision. And then we're acting and reacting on the feedback. But as you say, I think Grandpa actually has a bigger following than we actually think. Yeah. And that's going to be an eye-opener when we yeah. now expand globally because we've grown close to our customers, but our customer base has been quite solid for some time now. Mm. All of a sudden, when you're adding on these new people and it's like exponential growth, all of a sudden it's like yeah. boom. And then we really need to be able to, and that's why we focus so much on the technical, the tech stack of everything. How are we going to deal with this? moving forward. Yeah, of course.
cool. Maybe without any bridge, <laughs> let's jump into the latest part. I really wanted to hear your thoughts on which is more about finance nowadays. And because you actually grew for this quite ambitious expansion phase, but grandpa, the company, have always been very stable and cautious in the growth. You're crazy on investing if you don't, if you are not sure that it's going to actually bring your business back. So I'm just curious with your background and with the macro environment, mm-hmm. what's happening at the moment? How do you actually keep like a very good control of your finance? And what is your view with that new stage of growth? Like how are you going to go and finance that growth going yeah. forward? That is an absolute key question for this phase two of Grandpa. And it's very similar to any brand, at least. And I would say actually regardless of sector, but yeah. especially for us. It's like everyone who works within retail and especially reselling external brands know that from a supply chain and a financing perspective, it's one of the least sexy businesses to be in. And that comes down to structure, standard operating procedures, control, I would say. Control is an absolute key. And also the right people that can basically zoom in and zoom out at the same time. They can have the long-term goal and strategy. And they can also understand what's going on on a daily basis in the business. For us, in order to be able to take this step, it was a key for grandpa to bring in some new people with some different mindsets. I was one of them. I have a degree in finance. Not many people think that when they see me. I guess it's the beard and the beanie. (laughs) But I have a degree in corporate finance and business controlling. And then Josephine, our CFO, she is an incredible CFO because she is perfect mix of leaning forwards, going after growth. And she comes from a very uh, highly growth company as well. But she also has this typical financial control in the backbone. And without that, you can't really make this because you need the control to make the right calls at the right time. Otherwise, you're going to be too soon or too late. And for us, control the whole technical infrastructure to make sure that we can have this control and act on what we want to do. That's the absolute key. And I've actually said that since I started. We obviously, we want to talk about our concept and we want to talk about the, the cool things of the business. But I was like, that, not a doubt in my mind that we're going to succeed on that part. What's going to be the biggest hurdle to uh, overcome is going to be supply chain and cash flow management. Unfortunately, that's the truth. Yeah. But then you need to also adapt to, there's so many different tools out there like just five years ago, you didn't have anywhere close yeah. to this. So you need to stop thinking linear and what you used to do and just have in mind your experience and then build on what is actually what's actually available now. Yeah, I think it's very true. We see the most successful company usually are very good at the non-sexy things, which is logistics and mm-hmm. flow management. We also talk internally. That should never damage the external communication, the the sexy part of the business. But we often talk internally to allow ourselves to be more creative and round. So becoming more structured is going to enable us to be more of grandpa. And it's working. Simply put. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a wrap. It was a super interesting episode and inspiring. It seems like you have gone already like a long journey with only one and a half year at Grandpa, but very excited to see all the results in years to come. If you have any information you want to share, if you have any open position you're recruiting for or a new call coming soon for the brand, sharing your details at your time and then we'll say bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, we do have some massive things coming up within a few weeks. Uh, but that's in a few weeks, and I can't really say what it is. <laughs> that's a good um, And fortunately, we feel like we have a super solid team in place, so no recruitments as of right now. Yep. You never know, and that's the whole thing with exponential growth or growth uh, in general. You never know, and next week is a new week. 
Thanks again, Yunas, for your participation in today's episode. It was very interesting to learn more about the early days of Grandpa and how the same founding values are still the brand's top priority. This chat was very insightful for those brands looking to expand abroad. Grandpa is a very renowned store in Scandinavia that after 20 years in the business is looking to scale internationally while preserving the brand's identity and values. When opening a new market, several key considerations include understanding the market, of course, you're looking at, effectively communicating and building the brand and forming strategic partnerships. One strategy which is also quite effective is to first test the water in the online space by introducing the brand as a concept rather than solely advertising products so it doesn't become transactional. And this approach can engage potential customers and generate interest in the brands. Firstly, presenting the brand as a concept allows potential customers to connect with the brand value, mission and overall message rather than simply seeing a list of products. And this can really create a deeper emotional connection with the brand and increase brand loyalty. But also, it allows for more creative and engaging marketing campaigns. Instead of just showcasing product, you can create content that really tells a story, highlight the brand's personality, and showcase how the brand can add value to the customer life. This type of content, I think, is more likely to capture potential customers' attention and generate brand interest. We wrap things up now. I hope you enjoyed that episode and took away some tips and strategies to implement directly for your brand. Thank you for listening, and I hope you stay tuned for the next episode. Have a good one. 